Hello and welcome to the first Cogga Experimental Podcast. In the room today we've got me, Jodie, who is a producer at Cogga. We have got... Kevin, hello, I'm a developer here. Uh, hi, I'm Vicky, I'm also a developer here. Hello, I'm Gavin and I'm the production director. Hello, I'm James and I'm a developer. So we are just going to have a little chat, this is the first Cogga podcast we've ever done, so we'll see how it goes about how these guys got into being developers. Um, it's very informal. So Vicky, do you want to kick off? Uh, sure. So um, my background is I actually went to university straight out of sixth form college to do philosophy and I dropped out after maybe a year and a half um, for lots of reasons. Mainly it wasn't really the right course for me. Uh, didn't do very well. Uh, so after that, I basically for maybe six years, had jobs in retail, pubs, kitchens, uh, all that kind of stuff, call centres, uh, until I started teaching myself code in my spare time, uh, and that was about four and a half years ago, and I did that, and then quit my job kind of recklessly with no other job lined up and no savings or anything, <laughs> uh, just thinking, hey, I'll be able to get a job as a developer straight away. Uh, it took a while and I had to go back to bar work during that but I eventually found an apprenticeship with a company called Creative Process which is a, an apprenticeship in creative digital media which meant that a company took me on as a junior developer four days a week and one day a week I had to go into this college in a trailer in Hove and uh, <laughs> I uh, had to do this qualification which was mostly like general creative digital media skills like Photoshop and uh, um, Microsoft Office and... Uh, even some video editing and stuff, but it, after that I got kept on as a developer and stayed there for a few years before coming to Cogga. Um, quick question, just skipping back a little bit, before you quit your job as in all those lovely places, mm. um, what made you go into coding out of everything else? Uh, so I knew I didn't want to do the stuff I was doing anymore, yeah. uh, and I remembered when I was a kid, so when I was like 14 or something, I used to mess around with HTML and CSS in my free time and I really loved it but it was kind of, it wasn't discouraged where I went to school but it was kind of like doing IT stuff like that or doing kind of stuff isn't going to get you a job or like it's not really useful so like don't waste your time on it basically wow. so I started, stopped doing it uh, and did more like academic subjects um, and I remembered all that and how much I loved it so I thought oh, maybe I'll pick that up again and see uh, if it can be useful in any capacity and when I was doing that I found I really, really loved it and I was good at it, so, yeah. And when you say you taught yourself, mm. how did you do that? Was it books? Was it YouTube? Was you mean as a grown-up? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, a mixture of stuff online and books. Uh, I would learn the basics of the syntax through stuff like Code Academy or, uh, I don't know, online tutorials, but then I, like, decided the only way I was really going to understand how all that stuff worked was by making things. So uh, I'm really into games and gaming and I thought I'd have a go at making little JavaScript games, um, which I still do, uh, and that helped me understand stuff a little bit better and how it all works together. Um, yeah, just making stuff basically. Cool, thank you Vicky. Kevin, what about you? How did you become a developer from your previous career? Yeah, so, um, so I came to developer kind of developing kind of sideways. I um I taught maths at a secondary school at various secondary schools down um in and around Brighton for twelve years. Um did a 
my undergraduate was maths and theoretical physics and then taught maths um, from 11 to 18 year olds for a long time. Did lots of jobs in education, um, was an assistant head teacher, um, head of maths, did lots of maths, um, <laughs> which was great. Um, and in the midst of all of that, I was you know, coding my spare time, building bits for little things for um, to help um, my students understand things. I'd build, build some things for them on the web. Um, I was involved in helping build out our um, like a content management system as a school and, and sort of did various bits. And um, yeah, it got to a point where I realised that education, I didn't couldn't see myself staying until I was 68, which is the current retirement age. <laughs> um, and started thinking about, well, what what do I want to do? Um, and decided to make the transition um, into development. So I did a um, I did an online three month boot camp um, mm -hmm. while I was teaching, um, and um, that was really helpful to kind of um, because yeah, you know, over the years I'd learned lots of stuff, but it was kind of randomly siloed stuff. It was I knew a lot about something, a lot about something else, and I'd get really excited about uh, technology and go learn how to do something with that, but it was kind of um, atomized and not joined up. So it was really helpful to do a boot camp that was kind of all the, like from the start to the end yeah. to go to work out where my gaps were so then I could sort of dig in on those and to work out how the bits I knew randomly kind of joined together and th that kind of thing. So, and then um, I came here and I've been here for, um, for a year and a half now. It's been great. Cog was your first. Cog was my first development job. job. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> Land on my feet. <laughs> and so the the boot camp, mm. just for people like me that don't understand what that means. Yeah. It sounds kind of scary. What what does that mean? Um. So you had to get up at six o'clock. No, no, I didn't. I guess the, the, the analogy is that it's a really it's supposed to be a really intense sort of experience. That's the kind of idea. So it's trying to squeeze in um, a large amount of training into a small amount of time, that's the kind of thing. So it was uh, three parts, it was kind of a front end, back end and all together. It was mostly focusing on um, Python and, and JavaScript and some and HTML and, and various bits like that, um, which I had, had some experience at in already. So that was kind of, it joined up and then had to make some projects to kind of like capstone stuff to show that you had learned what you're supposed to. So yeah, that makes sense. And so yeah, so it was it was reasonably broad then. Yeah, it was pretty broad, and it was, it was online, so it was kind of um, so there was videos, there was training, and then there was a weekly mentor meeting with um, someone to chat over what I'd learnt and um, set targets for the next week and to do that kind of thing. So yeah, it was pretty intensive. So yeah, it yeah. was a paid for course? It was a paid for course, was yeah. Was it expensive? It was, um, it was three grand for the three months. It was pretty pricey. Um, but I think I'd looked around at various other ones and this as a, this felt like um, the one that fit it best for me. Yeah. I'm kind of not wanting to mention it. I don't know. If that's that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but is it one that you would recommend? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's called the Code Institute, and they're based out of Dublin. So yeah, they've been good people. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. James, you started that cog up 
three weeks ago now, was it? Not even that. Not even that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm brand new. Can you give us a bit of background about how you came into what you were doing? Yeah, so I uh, started to learn how to code during my uh, PhD in particle physics at Sussex. Um, I didn't really know how to code at all before then, so I sort of had to learn from scratch. And I inherited a lot of bad habits from other physicists and their coding. And I've been trying to escape that in the brief time that I've been here at POGAP. Um, so I, um, physics is renowned for having really horrible software, uh, especially in particle physics. So they have this thing called Root. So my idea was to try and escape from Root as far as possible and come up with my own software that I wrote from scratch with a couple of other people um, that I worked with. And um, after that I had two years as a postdoc trying to spin out my own company, uh, which involved a bit of coding as well, but it was mainly hardware. And I realised it was software that I really enjoyed and that's what I wanted to go back into. Um, so I left that in October and had a good six months or so of being very hungry and poor um, <laughs> in Brighton, um, so looking for jobs. And um, yeah, I, there was some interesting opportunities that came up, um, but I'm glad I've landed at COGAP because um, some of the other companies that I was talking to were dubious, how I said it And so the ability to code, or at least some knowledge of how that all works, seems like it's a prerequisite for what you were doing before. Uh, yes, but everyone that goes into, into that field tends not to know how to do it from the start. So you sort of learn on the job, basically. Um, so I did one course in C programming during my undergrad, which was a bit rubbish. But it, like, um, yeah, it went until I started my PhD that I really started to learn how to code. Um, and I think that's quite common in academia, to be honest. It's interesting to me that for all three of you, and I think this is, this is also true for most of the uh, developers that, that we work with here, none of you actually wanted to be a developer. <laughs> <laughs> or at least when you, were, when you were younger, when you were making your choices at GCSEs and um, you went to university, like though that wasn't the thing that was top of your list. It's something that has appeared later in life. You all. What, what do you think about that and the reasons why that might be? I think, like Vicky, I was discouraged. Yeah. So, um, actively discouraged. Actively discouraged. Yeah. So, I kind of worked it out. You know, it was, um, my, my um, maths teachers at school, uh, he, he, had, he had done a, um, his undergraduate was in computer science. He's like, oh, it's really boring. You should just go do maths instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so um, that was kind of really, okay, I should do maths because I'm good at maths and yeah. So maths was always presented as a more lucrative. So yeah, it was definitely, I would have done it and I was, was always on computers as a kid. So I don't, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was the same, I was always on computers as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I would say it was actively discouraged as such, but the school I went to was very academically focused and 
like IT and computers seem like mm, it's not really a thing. I didn't know developer was a job you could do, mm. and it, it was even back then. But I didn't know that, um, so it just kind of felt like a dumb hobby, uh, like gaming or something, like just something that I just did and would have to stop at some point. Mm. Yeah, it was fun. So um, yeah. like work isn't supposed to be fun. So is that kind <laughs> of yeah. is that kind of like this can't be something serious because I enjoy it. <laughs> and, and when was it or what was it that gave you that kind of light bulb moment that maybe I could do this fun thing and get paid for it? Uh, for me, uh, my partner's a designer and he worked with some developers and he was telling me about the stuff they do and I was like. Oh yeah, coding, coding's a thing. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, maybe I could do that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess so. I was doing bits, um, and I was seeing people getting paid, coming and getting paid more than me as a as a teacher to do um, to do stuff. That I thought I could probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, it also looked a lot less stressful than. Um, trying to corral 30 teenagers to convince them to learn some maths. Is that how it's working out? <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> quite significantly. <laughs> and what about you, James? I don't know. I think it was um, basically well, I wanted to put my skills to some proper use, if you get what I mean. It's working in physics and academia, it's very abstract and it's long-term goals and things like that. And I wanted to, like see my skills in action more quickly, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you all saying about it not being encouraged in schools. Obviously, we're all of different ages in this room. Mm -hmm. Probably a long time ago when we were in school. I wonder how that's changed now, because it is obviously, being a developer mm -hmm. is really cool. You can get paid from it. You can make a whole career out of it. You can really make cool things. It's fun. Like, is that being, is that message being put across in schools now, do you think? Um, yeah, so, I mean, possibly that's part of, I um, I had to deliver some stuff on that and, you know, was in with kids, so maybe the, the, so there's a big focus on STEM careers, science, technology, engineering and maths, trying to encourage lots of people to kind of go there, um, especially diversifying, making sure that, um, that we have people from all genders, ethnicities and, um, and those kind of um, less represented groups being making sure that STEM careers are something that, um, that everyone finds accessible and actually it was possibly delivering and hearing some of the STEM career stuff I thought maybe I should do a STEM <laughs> career <laughs> so yeah it was convincing enough that it convinced me <laughs> so you sold it to yourself yeah. <laughs> and I'm interested to ask what mistakes you've all made on your way here. Because um, you've all told us very happy, beautiful stories about <laughs> it all going wonderfully and I did this and I did this and I made this. But were there any things that, like courses you did that were no good or um, and any, any advice you would give our listeners about things to avoid or to not do? Um, so I mentioned Code Academy earlier, uh, how the way I got started was, hey, I'll just try HTML and CSS Code Academy, and that's fine, but the mistake that I made was trying to learn all of my code from Code Academy at first, uh, and not really understanding anything about how any of it worked, because I did like, the JavaScript Code Academy course, for example, then I was like, 
okay, so I know what an if statement is, and I know what a for loop is, but what's it for? <laughs> like, how do you use it? Uh, that Those kind of courses don't really teach you that. Um, it's way better to take the approach of like, I'm not just learning code, I'm learning how to implement code as well. Um, yeah. I think that's the important thing. I think you need to come up with the ideas first before you you actually get deep into the coding. So I spent a long time, I created my own website and I spent a long time coming up with ideas for that. And it weren't until I came up with the ideas that I actually started teaching myself different techniques. So I think that's one thing I've learned really. I think it's still true that like developers tend to get excited by the new shiny thing, mm -hmm. and I think that um, that was definitely when I was learning and I'm learning. You know, that's definitely wow, this looks cool and new. I should spend some time doing this, and so I think there's that kind of um, tutorial purgatory. Some people describe it as where you just do lots and lots yeah. of tutorials and not actually do anything. Um, so yeah, so I think trying to escape that building something, finding something that um, you want to do, want to do um, is definitely, I think, much more effective than trying to um, do, a, do a book or to yeah. do a course. It's that kind of actually having something that, that is solving problems that maybe aren't talked about in the book. You know, actually, one of the best skills developers have are being able to form the question, Google the question, and then be able to solve the problem. Do you know? so, following a tutorial you don't necessarily get that it's it seems as, as tutorials are presented the person doing it seems to know everything they need to know they don't they leave out the step where oh, I can't quite remember the syntax of that so I'm going to google it or I can't quite remember how that you know so um, it's it's presented as sort of the fait accompli or all this knowledge should be in your head where actually it, there's that framework and having uh, sort of a, a cognitive framework for something, a mental model, makes it easier to be able to um, solve problems and to be less intimidated when there's stuff you don't know. Yeah, I mean, being being a developer and like learning, like doing code at home in your spare time, there's actually a world of difference in terms of like, hey, I can write code, but do I understand like the principles of like, uh, I don't know, like object-oriented programming or like design patterns and stuff like that. It's all stuff that you kind of need to know if you're mm -hmm. going to be a developer, but uh, a lot of people don't start out learning that stuff or like don't even know that those things are things until they become developers. Yeah. Um, I, I read like a story the other day about a, some programming competition in America, I can't remember the specifics, but the guy that won it spent like 90% of the time thinking about the problem and then like the last 10% of time writing code and he won the competition and everyone else was like just diving in and running straight away and I think that's maybe the difference and it's a thing really worth learning. Uh, as like, early as possible. I know it's like exciting to start learning code and seeing things happen on the screen and stuff, but the two are like uh, linked and can't be separated really. And would you say that oh, what the question I was going to ask you was what's the difference between uh, what the difference is between learning at home and teaching yourself or working in uh, academia as James did and working in real life in an agency like Cogat? Um, it's a lot of differences. Uh, I mean, when I first started my apprenticeship, I thought I knew some stuff. <laughs> and then uh, like after a few days, I quickly realised I didn't know anything. Um, because there's so many extra things that you need to know. And I think more and more, uh, like boot camps and uh, things like Codebar that are teaching you about Git and Bash and Linux and Terminal and all that stuff, 
but as well as all the technical things that you need to know as a developer that you don't get from like just doing online tutorials or whatever, there's how to work in a team of other developers and how to be uh, a good, <laughs> sounds stupid, how to be a good colleague uh, to not just the other developers but uh, to the producers that you're working with, uh, how to do things like Agile, um, Scrum, uh, how to self-manage, uh, there's loads of extra stuff that you need to know which you know nobody would expect to learn in your free time because <laughs> a lot of people don't have that kind of time. Um, but yeah, there's stuff that you need to be thinking about and it's stuff that at least if you're looking for a job, being able to demonstrate an awareness of that stuff, even if you don't know a lot about it, is really, really good. Anyone else on the differences between previous life and this life? Yeah, I, th I think uh, in, in well, from my background, it was very gung-ho, you just dive straight into it. Uh, rather than thinking about what you're trying to achieve at, as the end result. And I think what I've learned in my brief time here is how to spec things out and create a test plan to make sure it all works and things like that, rather than just going straight into the coding. Yeah. I think that's something that um, people from my old background could learn quite a lot from, um, is how to break down the problem into small manageable chunks that you can s assign to different people that work together in a team rather than say here's the big picture go ahead and do it um, which is tends to be the technique that they use yeah. I think um, in terms of like being a developer versus being a teacher well, one of the things that I find really helpful is being the um, slightly more realistic what you can achieve in a day um, there's kind of, you, know, as a, you know as a teacher it's kind of a here's a million things here's two hours to do them in and there's kind of a, you, there's kind of constant feeling of guilt of stuff that you're not doing um, because there should be more and these kids education are kind of like uh, whereas um, like working in partnership with with producers um, no like being realistic about what can be achieved in a given time period um, I think I've learned definitely being very clear about like actually I can't do that in the time that's there and that's been a really important skill to get better at to say oh, I'm not sure I can do that in that time um, because yeah I'm quite I quite like to say yeah I'll do that I'll do that I'll do that but actually there's only a certain number of hours and that's kind of well what's there the other thing about learning at home versus being in a studio or, or in, a, in a workplace I think is that like you've got a problem to solve is there and you have to do that as opposed to getting distracted but oh this is hard it would be something else or you know there's kind of you're kind of this is this is the rock that you have to move and so you have to work out how to work how to do that as opposed to uh, I'll just go learn something different or I'll just I'll start another project over here because this one's too hard you know yeah, <laughs> you have to finish like yeah. I have like there's so many projects that I've done at home or started at home where I'm just like this got hard I'm gonna stop yeah. <laughs> but like, you have to finish yeah, it yeah. and yeah that's a good thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Kevin you mentioned earlier about when you were learning and said and I'm still learning mm. um, and that makes me wonder what are the, the techniques and the tools that you guys all use to extend your learning? Because I, I assume you don't know everything yet, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Getting there. Right? Yeah. So Thank what, you. What, what are the, um, the tools and techniques that, that you're using at the moment and um, how do you use them? 
Um, I mean, by virtue of the fact that you're doing it from like eight hours a day uh, means that you're always going to be learning something because you're not just repeating the same task over and over again. You have to each project you get comes with new technical challenges, and I guess to figure out how to address those, there's a, a lot of a, a lot of googling, <laughs> um, uh, but also like uh, staying on top of what's happening in the world of developers, like follow a lot of people on Twitter and see what they're saying about which stuff they're using and which new things are exciting. Uh, yeah, I don't know, it's just like it's a constant learning process from all angles. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my head's going to explode, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we do things here, we um, have Tech Tuesdays where we'll often, um, someone will have learned about something that they want to share and so we'll have lunch and we'll learn about that together. We do hack days um, every few months where we take on projects and learn something new, which is all out of the side of it. And yeah, I think um, Cogap are really good at encouraging us to learn and do training. I'm just back from a conference um, and that was really interesting, learning or hearing other people speak. And I help organise a couple of user groups in Brighton um, for PHP. Which, um, so like, there's lots of ways to, I think, to, to be involved and to kind of, I think, we, we as, as an agency and as developers, I think there's a sense of if you think you know it, then if you think you're done, then actually you're, you're a bit messed up. Because like, <laughs> there's, um, yeah, there's, there's new frameworks, there's new, there's new developments in languages, the web's changing all the time. So to stay relevant, to keep our skills relevant, to keep what we're providing clients useful and up to date, I think we always need to be moving that forward. Yeah. That's a really good thing in a role in a job isn't it career is it's always you're always learning it there's always mm. going to be new stuff it's always going to be exciting like that's a really good appeal for a job like for a coder or a developer or whatever so it's just seems a shame that when we are looking for developers that there's not out there it doesn't seem to be <laughs> especially in like you know when we're looking for to inclusion and different backgrounds and whatever is it's just, I find it very odd that people don't want to do this job as often as you think, because it is a really cool job to do. Uh, that was my number one priority when I was looking for a job, is to work for a company where I'll be learning constantly, which is why I feel so lucky to have landed this job here, because it sounds like the environment really encourages that and just like pushes that forward. So, yeah, I think it's really important to continue to learn in whatever job you do, really. I don't think it just applies to developing to developers or coders or whatever. I think every job should be challenging and stimulating. And so the the, the kind of motivation for this podcast is that um, uh, many of the people around this table are going to be at Talent Fest next week. And um, Vicky, you were there last year, mm, yeah. and you said lots of people spoke to you about how do I get started yeah. um, in this career path to become a developer. And so we thought by recording this, we might be able to give some in-depth answers over a length of time. So, what are your top tips for people that want <laughs> to break into the world of developers? Um, I think as we've kind of gone over a little bit already, like you need to be able to demonstrate that you're 
interest enough, interest enough, sorry, <clears throat> that you're making stuff in your spare time. And like I know a lot of people um, are in a position where they're working full time while they're learning, but um, that's not always possible to build, you know, like a whole complex application or whatever. But so long as you're like working on little things and you can show that, I mean, it's like uh, I spoke to a lot of people at the Talent Fest last year who were like, oh, you know, I do like a little bit of coding here and there and now I want a job. It's like, it's not really enough. Like you need to, I, I would ask them, so what are you working on? And they wouldn't have an answer. And yeah, you need to, if somebody is doing code stuff, but they're not really doing code stuff, then it's not really a great sign. Um, and I think another thing that a lot of people said to me last year was about like salaries and stuff and salary expectations and I think if you're trying to become a developer because you heard it's got a really good salary I think that's like not a really good reason because it is really hard <laughs> and uh, I think if you forget about that part of it and then say oh if the salary wasn't that good would I still want to do it um, and the answer is yes then keep working hard and keep making things and be able to talk about the things that you're making, basically. If that makes sense, did I just ramble a little bit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it links back to what I was saying earlier about spending time thinking of the ideas first and then code them up. So spend some time thinking of like cool ideas, whether it's on the web or an app or something, and then put your skills to the test doing that. So yeah, I think that would be my tip. I think like there, no one's necessarily going to give you permission to start coding. You know, mm -hmm. just just go for it. You know, there's that, you know, there's there's lots of resources to get started on, um, and there's lots of space. You know, we've got Code Bar in Brighton. We've got lots of other user groups where people can go along if you want to do it, learn with other people. Um, there's lots of spaces online, YouTube communities, lots of things are there. But just I guess that don't get. Stuck duck just doing tutorials kind of to try to make something that you, you you enjoy and it's fun to have a go at and i think all three of you what i'm hearing is all three of you took a big leap and um, two of you in quite a crazy way in that vicky you just quit your job without anything <laughs> to go to and james you spent six months eating beans <laughs> whereas kev rather than the, the risky version, you went for the expensive version, <laughs> <laughs> but all of you have really kind of committed and invested yeah. in different ways in that thing that you really want to do, yeah. and I think that re reflects on how good you all are, and also on what you're saying Vicky about just a little bit here and there probably isn't going to cut it, you've got to really be dedicated, really like, really want it. Yeah, I mean like it's really easy to get started learning to code but becoming a good developer is much harder and yeah you have to be really really committed um, a lot of people I had a lot of friends around the time I was doing this who were saying oh maybe I'll do that too and they would like ask me for advice and I would try and help them but they would like kind of quit as soon as it got hard so you have to really really want to do it because it can get really difficult and there will be days where you're like there is no way I can solve this problem it's over I'm terrible <laughs> uh, um, uh, but those days will and, and then the next day you'll be like, you'll come back and say, hey, how did I not see this? It's so, so easy. Um, so yeah, commitment is important. I think you need a lot of patience as well. I think you need to wait for the right opportunity. It's, they don't just appear out of nowhere, you know. I was happy to live up in beans for six months just to 
to land the right role for me. So, yeah. What you were saying about um, solving problems, again, I guess that's one good thing about working for a company, that you've got other people around you with all different views and all different ideas where you can do it together, and surely that's a really positive thing to do, that you can solve a problem, not necessarily quicker, but better, maybe? Mm -hmm. So it's good to have an extra pair of eyes on yeah. the thing you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I just want to uh, clarify I wasn't necessarily recommending people quit their lives. Without a job to go to, it was just interesting reflecting that back yeah. to you all. I, I mean, it, it may it, not be it, the best. In retrospect, what I did was really stupid. <laughs> 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 I should have done it like that. I got really lucky. Cool. Do we have anyone else have anything they want to say before we finish this off? No. Well, thank you very much for listening to the first Cogger podcast. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it, and there will be many more. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Yes. Uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Thanks, Jodie. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.